Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hajj Assad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, thank you for trying something new. I will reiterate, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, and more than that, we're really good friends. Right, Ben? I never get to be Sammy Hadjassad. It's always, I'm Sammy Hadjassad and I'm Benjamin Hunting and never the other way around. Have you ever noticed that? Do you want to do it the other way around? You want to be Sammy Hadjassad and I'm Benjamin Hunting? Well, I'm not prepared at at this juncture to do that, but I'm just saying maybe in the future we could shake things up a little. All right, I'll send you some notes on how to be me and you send me a couple of notes. Oh, wow, you've... You've already sent them my way. And Make sure you watch all the videos to the end. <laughs> I can't handle this. Um, but you know what I think I can handle? You telling people where they can find all of your latest work. Ben, can you do that for me? You can find my work at Motor Trend, at Car and Driver, at Driving Line, and at Inside Hook. Oh, and recently at Haggerty. And you can find my work, at, if you're interested, you can find my work at autotrader.ca, driving.ca, Nouveau Magazine, and TechSpot. Ben, we've got some cars to talk about today. Indeed we do. Well, specifically, we have one car and then some other cars, but of those cars, we've only driven one recently. Yeah, so that's that's you, man. You've that's been confusing. Driving. <laughs> yeah, that is, you shouldn't really throw it like that, but um, now we usually have cars to talk about, right? Yes. And we're going to be doing that again today. Okay. So... Talk to me about the car that you drove recently. I drove a car that is trying really hard to replace another car that no longer exists in North America. Okay, let me go through the let me go through the list of all the idea all the possibilities this could be. Okay, first of all, a car that no longer exists in North America as of twenty twenty two. It's gone as of twenty twenty two, not before twenty twenty two. No, is it the Chevrolet? No. <laughs> what? I didn't even finish. Doesn't Malibu? matter. No. Yeah, it's, a, it's a Malibu replacement. Some other company was like, you know what? The world is hurting for Malibu. We just okay. haven't had enough of that rental car spirit. Okay, fine. Is it the Ford Focus? It's I mean, not the Fusion. Ford. It's or not, the, I'm sorry? The Ford Focus or the Ford Fusion. It is neither of those vehicles. What's the, what could this car possibly be? Sammy, it's the Volkswagen Golf. What about the Golf? The so, Golf exists. It's called no, the, the Golf is gone. It's gone from North America. We get the GTI and we get the Golf R, but the but regular the Golf, Golf regular oh. Golf's just gone. And as a result, Volkswagen has this hole in their showroom. It's the entry-level hole, as they like to call it in meetings. And they decided <laughs> to do something about it. But surprise, surprise, they've, they've taken a hatchback-shaped hole and tried to stuff a crossover SUV into it. And that vehicle is called the Volkswagen Taos. Taos? Taos? I don't know how to say it. I say it wrong every time. I think Taos is right, but I don't mind seeing how many different ways we can pronounce it this episode. Taos, like chaos, is not bad. That is is cool. I like that. Now, they're not the only automaker to have done this, right? I mean, as we mentioned, Ford has tried to do this by replacing the Fiesta with the... Oh, uh, what is that awful car Echo called? Sport. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yes, they and, made a, there is a horrible mistake <laughs> if I've ever seen one. I think Chevrolet has tried to replace the, what is it called? The Sonic. No, the Sonic, I think, is either still on the market or maybe on its way out, but it's still there. Like, I know you're thinking, oh, what's man. funny is you're probably thinking Trax, but the Trax is being discontinued this year as well, <laughs> which means I think we only have Trailblazer. Um, yeah. 
as the base ship. But you're right. Like, I guess Trailblazer is going to take over for Trax and for um, Sonic. Sonic. Yeah. I like, I like the Sonic. I like the I liked the Sonic as well, and I don't mind the tra- the Trailblazer that much. There's that. also there's also the Spark. Chevy still makes the Spark, so technically, which is I, important because it's like thirteen thousand dollars or something. Yeah, I think that that's the most inexpensive Chevrolet or or any GM you can possibly buy right now. Right. So they're not the only ones that are that are like giving up on car sized objects and replacing them with crossovers. Yeah. So Volkswagen is a little bit of a different case though because, you know, General Motors and Ford, they were generally doing very well with their crossovers and SUVs. Uh, mm-hmm. Escape sells well. Uh, Chevy, I guess they're selling Blazers, but if they're not, they they sell Traverses and they sell Yukons and all that stuff. So they've never really had trouble getting families into those vehicles. But Volkswagen, it's a bit of a different story. The Tiguan recently changed too. I mean, not that recently, but recent enough. It got a lot bigger. They added a third row. And it was mm-hmm. still a compact, but kind of like on the edge of what you would consider a compact. And then there's the three-row Atlas, which is a larger mid-size vehicle. Almost and a then the two-row version of the Atlas, the Atlas Cross. Yeah. And the the thing about the Atlas is... It's one of those SUVs that we've talked about on the podcast, like the Subaru Ascent, where there's absolutely nothing wrong with it, but there's also not really anything special about it, and it's hard to recommend, but you would also never tell someone not to buy it. I mean, I would tell someone not to buy an Atlas simply because there are so many other better choices, but the vehicle itself doesn't have any huge glaring problems. Right. It's super spacious. I think it fits in a number of um, like budgets because you can get it with a four-cylinder engine. Are we talking about the, we're talking about the Atlas, right? Yeah, the Atlas. Yes. Okay. Sorry, I, my mind just went blank for some reason. Yeah, and um, it's not very good on gas, though. That's my only problem. No, I mean none of those big SUVs really are. But in, in any case, so they sell about seventy to eighty thousand Atlases a year, which sounds really great until you consider that Honda sells like one hundred and fifty thousand Pilots a year. So that yeah. kind of gives you an idea of the poles of where the market is. I mean, that's not nothing. I mean, that's more mu- than, than Ford sells Mustangs, right? But the Ford Mustang is a niche car. Yeah. And the Atlas is a bread and butter SUV. So I think Volkswagen would like to be doing better with their SUVs. They kind of haven't cracked that yet. And the, the Taos is their attempt to get in on the, the, the ground floor where they've never been with an SUV. I mean, the Tiguan was there for a while, but it's been kicked up market. And mm-hmm. what's weird about the Taos is that in some ways it's very similar in size to the, to the Tiguan. It, yeah. And it's the current Tiguan or the old Tiguan? I think the current one. I think it's almost as wide. Um wow. and inside it has a very large back seat. Also, it's important to to notice uh, to to notice. It's important to mention that even though this is a vehicle that's taking the place of the Golf as the entry level vehicle at Volkswagen, it is it is larger in in some ways. I mean, it doesn't look big out on the road, but it's definitely a little bit big. Um, and in, in terms of cargo space and rear seat volume, you notice it. It's like 10 cubic feet more cargo than the uh, Crosstrek. Or mm-hmm. it's, it's it's very close to the Forester in terms of size. And when I wow. think, yeah, when I think of Forester cargo space, I think of Tiguan. Like that should be the comparison, yeah. right? Right. Um, it's, it's about 10 cubic feet more cargo space than the Golf. Until you fold the seats up, and then it's like within two cubes. So that kind of gives you an idea of how the vehicle is, um, how the vehicle fits yeah. into the market. It's like it's not quite a subcompact. It's bigger than like a, a Jeep Renegade or something like that, or even a Jeep Compass. Yeah. But it's it's not as physically large as a Forester, despite having similar cargo. 
and it's not quite as big as the Tiguan. Now, Sammy, you just sent me some Tiguan sales figures. Yeah. So Volkswagen's doing better with the Tiguan than they are with the Atlas, about 100,000 units a year. That blew my mind, right? Like, to me, I found that old-looking, very golf-like Tiguan to be pretty cool and fun to drive. But obviously I'm wrong because in 2017, they went from selling 40,000 units to 2018 when they sold 100,000 units. And they've been holding steady at 100,000 units for a couple of years, which is really impressive. I think that that has a lot. Well, it it is impressive, except in contrast with the market leaders. Because, again, like we talked about with the Atlas versus the Pilot, if we take a look at 110,000 110,000 Tiguans, that looks great. Until you realize that last year, Toyota sold 400,000 RAV4s. Yes, but so, I mean, and, and, for a, one nameplate to more than double its numbers in one year, that's pretty good, man. I think that a big part of that was making the vehicle larger and more practical. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that it's not as fun to drive also is part of it because crossover SUV buyers, they don't really care about that. For the most yeah, part, they're looking for something that's practical, fuel efficient and fits into their lifestyle. They're not trying to have fun with it. So I think when Volkswagen kind of moved away from that, they did better with the Tiguan. Now, they've also moved away from that with the Taos. It is in no way as fun to drive as the Golf. And it remains to be seen whether that will impact entry-level sales for Volkswagen because they're priced almost exactly the same. It starts at like just over 24000 And if yeah. you get the the high-end model, it's like thirty-two. So um, I need some help with this. $24,000 for a subcompact crossover, I'm worried about that pricing because, first of all, a Tiguan starts at about twenty six, um, And I think there are some very good products that are even less than 24000 like, say, the Subaru Crosstrack or the Mazda CX-30. Yeah, um, I mean... The, those but, are solid offerings. But keep in mind that the, the, the Taos is larger inside than either of those models. Okay. So, so it's, it's, it's a weird emphasized tweet. interior. Yeah, it is. It emphasizes interior space over anything else. Exactly, exactly. So, and, and, you know, in trying to take the golf space, the fact that it's bigger, that's also going to be a factor. So mm-hmm. uh, there's a few other weird things about the, about the Taos. Taos, Taos. Oh, man, I wish I didn't have to say it. Um, <laughs> imagine if I, is it what, is it Arizona or New Mexico? What are we talking about? Taos, where is it? I don't know. I think it's I in, I think it's in New Mexico. Yeah, it's a place. Anyway, whatever. You got me. You made me look like a fool on the podcast so early I on. I exposed your <laughs> lack of geography. Yes. Uh, th- th- there's a couple other things about the vehicle that are a little weird. So Volkswagen, one of the things that was nice about the Golf was even the base model was reasonably good to drive. It just felt <laughs> kind of buttoned down. And it felt a little bit more premium than other hatchbacks at its price point, even if it wasn't usually it just kind yeah. of it had a vibe that was like like you were talking about the old tiguan it was like you know it drove better than mm-hmm. its competitors button down is a really good way to say it i would call it refined even if the materials inside were not high end yeah the car just felt like it was ready to do what you asked of it so the taos continues that materials inside not being high end aspect oh no not in an objectionable way, but just in a way where you, you look around and you're like, okay, this isn't really special. It's not necessarily better than what I would get from like a Seltos or something like that. Um, but it's acceptable. But when you're driving it, there's some weird stuff that happens that I don't think you would ever have noticed in a Golf. And specifically, I had a lot of issues with the rear suspension. When I was 
Montreal has terrible roads, and whenever I would go over a bump, I love this is our podcast every week during the during the post winter or around winter. Like at like, some point, Montreal would be like, "No, guess what? The roads are good now." That's never going to happen. Yeah, exactly. But I every feel the need to mention it. <laughs> so, so Montreal has terrible roads, which means suspensions get a workout. And mm-hmm. in the case of the Taos, it was very boomy. Like I was constantly hearing that rear suspension bounce around. Um, boom in the back of the cargo compartment, just not really refined like you were talking about with the Golf, and certainly not buttoned down. And the weird part of that is I had an all-wheel drive version of the vehicle, which has a multi-link rear suspension that okay. you don't get with the front-wheel drive. The tow- so it's independent. It's like a torsion, torsion beam? Or yeah, torsion it's a, it's beam a torsion the- beam for the regular front-wheel drive. Yeah. So I can only imagine how much that- more unsettled that vehicle would have been in a similar situation. Yeah, now that's something that I think um, Hyundai used to put in some of their compacts. Maybe they put it back. And Mazda has actually resorted to a, a torsion beam or semi, whatever they want to call it, semi-independent. Yeah, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. But if if the multi-link isn't great, I can't imagine the torsion yeah. beam being that much better. The other thing to consider, too, is the all-wheel drive version of the Taos has like three cubic feet less cargo space. Wow, that's actually pretty significant. Yeah, because of that. It's almost 10%. Be, actually, it's a little bit more than ten percent of of this the between the seat back and the hatch, mm-hmm. and uh, that's because of the, the suspension. Wow. Um, there's there's another difference between front wheel drive and uh, all wheel drive. The all wheel drive comes with a seven speed DCT, whereas the front wheel drive has a regular eight speed auto box. So there's a lot of differences going a on. A DCT in the front wheel drive. No, no, and no. An all- in the all wheel drive. In yeah. the other way around. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of differences between these two vehicles, and those differences are probably. Not something that a salesperson is going to highlight when you're shopping. So you mm. want to keep that in mind when you're looking at this vehicle and know that know what you're getting. The the engine it's a it's a 1.5 liter turbo four. It's yep. a pretty new engine. Yeah, no, I haven't heard I haven't heard this motor this displacement motor in a Volkswagen yet. I don't. I think it's available in the Jetta as well now. I'm not okay. totally sure, but it makes 158 horsepower, 184 pound feet of torque. It's perfectly adequate. I had a couple of instances where it felt a little hesitant, but not enough to really kind of um, give me the wrong impression. I I think it's just, you know, an adequate engine in an adequate SUV. And sometimes that's all you want, right? Like it's not – it gets 32 miles per gallon, I think, combined or something. Hey, that's not bad. I, I, that's that actually be, pretty fairly good, I would say. Let me let me double check that number. Do you think that's for an all-wheel drive or front-wheel drive? That's models. what I'm going to look at right okay. now. Um, and I'm – curious because like they've been out of this space like they're just not in the compact cross this is like the last automaker to get a a compact crossover offering right yeah i mean i don't think genesis is quite there yet well that i mean mainstream mainstream offering yeah it's 32 i think for the for the front wheel drive okay ben are you still there yeah i'm just double checking that number okay good um and i'm i'm i was hoping that taking that much time will help uh, deliver a more cohesive, you know, strong, competitive product because there are some pretty good subcompact crossovers out there. Well, that's just the thing. I mean, there's so many subcompact crossovers or even compacts because, you know, this model kind of crosses that line. Yeah, yeah, ranging from like super spacious, like for for example, the the Honda HRV, which is really boring to drive. But if you need some, if you need to move stuff in it, it's really good at that. Or really affordable, like the Kicks or the Venue, um, or fun to drive, like the Kona, right? Like, it, there's all sorts of offerings here. Where does the Tiguan? Is the Tiguan just another, just another name in that 
in that huge list of the Taos, of you mean? Vehic- Sorry, the Taos. Is it just another offering in that long list of subcompact crossovers, or does it provide something special, something unique, something that stands out in any way? No, I don't think it stands out at all. That blows. So it's, not even styling, interior. No, I think styling, styling is probably the weakest point of the vehicle. I think it's yeah. very anonymous. It's not. It's not ugly, but it's just you look at it and you're like, okay, you know, there's no, there's nothing about it. It's not like the Golf. It, it's, yeah. it's it's taking the role of the Golf, but all of the charm of the Golf is gone. You're not going to find it with this vehicle. This is a vehicle that was built because they had a hole in the lineup and they needed to push it there. You know, that's the only reason this exists. They said, we're not selling hatch, small hatchbacks anymore. We're not making money on them. So um, this is the, the crossovers are the future and that's where we're going to go. And they just kind of, you know, it's, it's built by committee in that sense. It's like there's a market niche that they need to fill. And whenever that happens, you're going to have a vehicle that doesn't really have a personality. And if it doesn't have a personality, it's, it's just not going to come across in the same way as a vehicle with like 50 years of tradition or however long the golf's been out there. Right. Um. Would you recommend it to anyone in any way or form? I don't think so. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, I would look at the Koreans first. Um, maybe even something like an HRV, although it's smaller inside. But definitely I would, you know, say check out a Forester. Uh, mm-hmm. If you were looking for something this size from a practicality standpoint, just those vehicles, they're a little more interesting. But at the same time, if you got one, I wouldn't think you made a bad choice. It's right. just, you know, you just bought one of dozens of vehicles in its class. And sometimes that's what happens. You get a good deal on it. I mean, no one's getting good deals right now. <laughs> but maybe you did. And, you know, you'll be okay with it, I think. I don't think you'll be upset. Um, I don't know what reliability will be like. You know, the brand new engine and whatnot. But yeah. other than that, there's not a lot to discredit it. There's not a lot to recommend it. It's It reminds me of um, a, a colleague of ours who once got out of a cargo van that he had been testing. We were at an event together. And uh, he gets out of this cargo van, and I looked at him, and I'm like, what did you think? And he's like, well, if I was in the market for a van, this is one. And then he walked away. Exactly. <laughs> and, so, and that applies to so many vehicles in segments like that. Right. It, it is one of the most difficult things is to at least highlight something that a vehicle can, can deliver. So, I mean, big cargo space. I Big cargo that's... space is an, is an advantage, but it won't be the only – like, it's not the only, like, offering that has that, right? No. And the infotainment system sometimes is should be, like, a highlight, but this as well doesn't – I don't know. And especially if it has the same layout that the – what was the car you drove recently that had an awful layout? No, no, no. I, I have to say that what's nice about the Taos is that it doesn't use the Golf R – and the GTI uh, infotainment system, where the, the terrible touch system, it's nice. it's a, it's a pretty standard Volkswagen system, which is weird to say that that's a relief. <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah, it was it was way better than what you find in the GTI. So it yeah. does have that going for it. Perfect. Um, anything else you want to say about this? Uh, again, which model did you have? You had the fully loaded, like um, yeah, I think it's like uh, SE something or other. SEL, SEL, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Okay, and you think that. Was there any were there features that you think were missing? I'm seeing like on the spec sheet it says it has that that digital cockpit that um, yeah it's got the digital cockpit thing I gauge mean, cluster which I love I, I mean maybe I'm a sucker for for screens like that I mean it's it's fine it just it doesn't really you know it's not it's not a reason to buy it yeah I don't think so you get all the gear you probably would get everywhere else again kind of the same thing we were talking about mm-hmm. um, I don't think you need to 
get the SEL, I think you can get what you need in the SE and add some options packages. Probably okay. save a bit of money. The difference between the SEL and the SE is like four grand. So it's, it's not insubstantial in terms of savings. Mm-hmm. Tops out at like 32000 which seems like a lot. Thirty two nine eighty five, yeah, for if you include like delivery and whatnot. So you're looking at like a $4,000 jump between S, SE, and SEL. Mm-hmm. Each of those. Interesting. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to say? No, I think that's pretty much it. What do you want to talk about now, Ben? We've got a couple of things we should talk about. It's One, a lot of pressure, Sammy. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll narrow it down. We've got some news that recently came out about the Subaru WRX STI. Oh, no. What uh, news? And it's, it's not good news, man. It rarely is. <laughs> well, we know the... Everyone knows now. The WRX STI, it is, Subar- it is Subaru's hot hatch. Like, blazing hot hatch. Well, not, not a hat hatch. I mean, it's a sedan, but... Oh, right. It is a, it is a sedan. It used hot to be sedan. Hot sedan. That's what we call them these days. Spicy Spice. sedan? No, we're not making that. We're not making that happen. <laughs> the sriracha sedan. sedan. Um, I don't know. And uh, it has a, a really strong following. A lot of people love these things. They're they. I don't know. I really don't know why these days. But um, it's had this uh, wicked 2.5 liter turbocharged um, boxer engine. It made 306 horsepower for a long time. It has stayed the same for a, for a very long time. And I think people were really looking forward to a new generation model based on whatever the new WRX is putting down. Especially since the new WRX had a new engine, but pretty much matched the old engine for, for output and performance, if I remember correctly. That's right. So the news has come out that there will not be a new generation um STI. Wait, and what? That's not that you need to we, let me quantify that. There will not be a new STI based on this WR the, on this new WRX. It is going to go on as far as I can tell on hiatus, on pause. Um whether or not that's actually true is yet to be seen because we all know that enthusiast vehicles are slowly falling off, I think, and I'm worried that um if there isn't going to be a WRX STI now, Whenever they do make, whenever they think there's about time for one, I don't know if that will ever happen. We know that crossovers are taking over, performance cars are very rare, and um, I don't know. Like, I just don't know if there's going to be a performance sedan anytime in the future. Let's kind of look back on the last performance car that went on a hiatus and actually came back, and that would probably be the Dodge Viper. Which and it didn't a, last very long. No, and, and the scary thing is they came back with, like, arguably the best Viper of all time. <laughs> And that wasn't enough to save the vehicle from whatever horrors of accounting occurred at FCA and that era. A big problem with that vehicle, though, was it was priced incorrectly when it launched to the point where they did a price correction in the first or second year. And then I think credited previous owners somehow, like the people who had bought it beforehand, just to make sure they wouldn't totally lose their minds. Um, But I've read that uh, the the next STI will be uh, electrified, Sammy. Yeah, so from my understanding, based on a report on the drive uh, written by Victoria Scott, is that Subaru doesn't want to play this game where they're trying to um, meet regulation, changing regulations and um, mandates for electrified vehicles or lower fuel efficiency. So what's ha- what would happen essentially is if they made an STI right now with this current generation uh, WRX, it wouldn't last long enough for them to, I guess, recoup whatever they're they're investing into it. So they want to skip this and jo- go right into the next generation with potentially those electric motors or um, electrification that they're going to get. Which okay. I guess, 
I don't know. It kind of adds up, but it also doesn't. Well, right? the the sad thing is the way that it adds up is not very appealing because if you mm-hmm. what what Subaru is essentially saying is we don't have the money to invest in a drivetrain that can meet future emissions regulations without That's, going into electri- electrification. But but I don't think they have the money even to do that, which brings me yeah. to part two. Whatever electrified STI we would see in the future is going to be a Toyota product. Yes, because all of, all of their hybridization and electric plans have involved Toyota, and we've seen those vehicles. The Solterra is actually – we have friends who are at the launch of the Solterra right now. It was delayed mm-hmm. a little bit. But that's a vehicle that looks very much like a Toyota, even though it's being badged as a Subaru. It's, it's a BRZ situation all over again. Mm-hmm. And um, Subaru doesn't have the resources to do electrification on its own. It's just not going to happen. So if we do see an STI in the future – it's really hard to make like make believe it'll be anything other than a TRD. <laughs> yeah, a TRD something. We don't even know what that I mean there are that's weird. Here we have Toyota who I think is committing to bringing a GR all-wheel drive Corolla hatchback or something like that. Yeah. To North America? And I mean of course Toyota's a massive company compared to Subaru. Huge. Huge. Um, but they're going to pull this off and Subaru is going to let a story nameplate go on break. Now they this just is, again, don't have the money for it, Sammy. It's not the first time that an automaker has put a nameplate on the back. You mentioned the Viper. The Viper. I'll say the Acura, um, NSX and the Nissan GTR took breaks for a while. Actually, the GTR never really came to North America, did it? No. Until but the, 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 the NSX was certainly gone for like a decade. Yes. Um, More than that, actually. Remember when Mitsubishi brought back the name Eclipse? Oh, yeah, the Eclipse Cross, a vehicle that everybody is always talking about all the time. (laughs) Is is this the last we hear of the STI, right? No, I don't think so because I think they're going to keep it alive. Uh, I think they're going to make, like, uh, a package for the WRX because from a marketing perspective, that would Mm. make them money. So I think – That would be ugly, though, like an – like a t- what do they call it with the other ones tuned by RS or yeah or right by like STI the BRZ had an STI yeah. STI yeah. stuff um, so I think we'll see that with the WRX uh, but I would also be curious to see what happens in the Japanese market where things are a little more loosey goosey when it comes to um, power and emissions and fuel efficiency uh, mm-hmm. so you know if they could do like a low product run of like pseudo STIs remember they they had the S two hundred nines and whatnot. The, yeah, you you were one of the few people who drove one of those, man. Yeah, but, but there's a whole like lineage of those S cars. Yeah, that never came to North America, right? So except for that one, there's there's no reason why Subaru couldn't do something similar in Japan at, for the next couple of years because those are essentially like hand built models or assembled outside of the normal Subaru factories, so they could do that and satisfy their hardcore fans, make a little bit of money, and not have to worry about it not being there in three years if they do have to kill it, because they're not relying on it. Right. Is there a silver lining to all this? Cause no. Be- you, no. Really think- you don't think so? Gray clouds. Gray skies forever. <laughs> now, the reason I ask that is, I have to be honest, the SDI has not been great in a, no. in a in a while right it's very big that's every time i look at a wrx or an sti now i am shocked at how large it seems it's like i'm looking at like an accord from the 20, 20 2000s or early 2010s it's just so big and i know they're they're fast and they're fun and whatnot and, and i get that and i'm a but multiple not even that like fast and that fun i'm are a they? multiple wrx owner so like i get right. it but it's 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 just – it's a different beast now and I think that that's not a Subaru thing. I think that's an industry thing. <laughs> it feels rugged. It feels like like 
choppy. It doesn't well, the feel new refined, one is like right? riding on an SUV platform, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I want to drive this new WRX. But I mean the STI in particular. Like the last time I drove an STI. Now I didn't drive the, the fancy S two hundred nine that you drove, but I remember it being like feeling like a handful all the time. Um, now that's fun in certain situations, um, particularly on the track. But everyday driving, this thing was a beast. Like it was, it was just not an enjoyable vehicle, right? It's um, it's a different experience. I've always kind of liked the standard WRX more for that reason, right? Which is a little bit more livable, and they also the recent one had the the updated engine. But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what a what an SUV platform essentially under the uh, the WRX will will deliver because I've heard some pretty um, I wouldn't say like overwhelmingly positive, but like lukewarm to positive good vibes about it, and um, I'm eager to to test it. What do you think? I mean, you know, your eagerness is what keeps this podcast alive. It's always one of the other fu- funny things we've always wanted was a turbocharged version of the Crosstrek. Yes. And they never did that. They ended up making a bigger engine, the 2.5 liter engine instead of the 2 liter engine, which doesn't give it the same punch. That's the same like I, I feel like Subaru owes us a turbo Crosstrek now that the STI is gone. I feel yeah, like exactly. that's right? how the world works. You need balance. You need that in your lineup. You need that out there in the universe. So how about it, Subaru? I know we just complained about you for a solid 15 minutes, but now you <laughs> owe us a turbocharged Crosstrek, which I would certainly buy. Right. Um, okay, moving on to another piece of news that I really want to talk really briefly Um and again, about another uh, important nameplate in the history books of uh, of the automotive industry, Acura Integra. Those two words come together to de- to define a, or used to define a really impressive front wheel drive um, compact car. Yes, those okay, days? but 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 asterisk, Sammy, because I know when everyone thinks. Acura Integra, they think, oh, Type R, Type R, Type R. And yeah, I had friends who had Type R's when I was growing up. Yeah, humble brag, that happened. But They had them briefly because someone probably stole them. No, they just stole the seats. But (laughs) what most most of the time when I think of Acura Integra, I think of like the four-door Integras that I saw everywhere in the 90s. Like that's the Integra to me. It wasn't the guy with the Type R or the lady with the Type R. It was like... The, fr- the guy or girl at your high school who had one that was like barely held together and was like – or like a GSR or something that was like, you know, it's practical and reasonably fun. But it wasn't like a world-beating experience. And this is of like let's say the late 90s, early 2000s era of Acura where they had two really imp- – they, they covered their, their entry level with the Integra and the high end with the NSX. And people came in being like, this is cool. Like, this is nice. And then they just forgot all about that for 20 years. <laughs> exactly. Now, they're remembering that they have a cool name called the uh, Integra, and they're delivering a new Integra. Yes. But. There is a but. I there think. is a horrifying but. <laughs> it is um, a front-wheel drive, four-door, uh, that's more or less based on the Honda Civic Si. It's I basically the ILX with a different name. Am I wrong? No, you're you're pretty much right. Now, this model is... Powered by a 1.5-liter turbocharged four-cylinder, just like the Civic Si. It makes 200 horsepower. Uh, it could be had with a manual transmission. How cool is that? Or but, a CVT. But a CVT, which is like <laughs> what almost everyone will be, I think, outfitted with. Yes. And it looks – it doesn't look – I don't know how to describe this. The one highlight of the exterior is that the Acura badge can light up. I think the one highlight of the exterior is that you can look away look away from it. It doesn't look 
cool. Like, it doesn't look interesting. No, it's like a smaller TLX, I guess. I'm going to be clear. At least in photos, it doesn't look... I think the TLX looks better, I think. I think it does, too. And I think that when you shrink those those down to different proportions, those cues, it just doesn't trans- translate like it needs to. Now, when you look inside the cabin, I see a positive. You see negative, I'll see a positive. First of all, there is no ginormous knob in the middle of the dash that does nothing but change the drive mode. I need my knobs, man. How am no, I supposed you to get into sport Do you remember mode? how many times you complained about that knob in the RDX, the, yeah, M- and it's the because, MDX, and the TLX? So when I change drive modes, I close my eyes because it's, yeah. it's more intense. And I reach over and I grab the biggest knob on the console and I pray that it's the drive mode. So I think the Acura understands me from that From that, Well, they, they pulled that in the new Integra. However, if you look at the cabin, it looks very similar to the Civic Si down to the almost, like almost mature, like they're the same vehicle <laughs> yeah down to the great the grills of the vents they look very similar so I'm worried about all this because I don't think it adds up to a very particularly special vehicle um just a fancied up um Civic which is what they've been doing for a long time with the ILX and you know who who's buying this vehicle like if you're going to do a full retro, hey, I want to reach out and connect with people who were into the Integra back in the day, you want to impress people. Yeah. You, know, you want to have like – you really want to have a model that's either visually striking or that has outstanding performance. Instead, what we got is another Acura that does what pretty much every vehicle in its class does in terms of performance. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But in, in when you position it like that in the market, you're really only going to be attracting shoppers who don't really care what it's called. They're just shopping a, a price point and features at that point. And I, I don't think that anyone who had a passion for the original Integra who who might have space in their driveway for, oh, you know what? You know, I'm at a point in my life where I can have a second car or a third car in our house, maybe for a daughter or a son or something like that. And maybe I'll get the Integra because the Integra is really cool. I remember it being cool when I was a kid. And then you look at that and you're like, well, if it's not cool, I'm gonna just going to get the one that makes the most sense for me. So there's no – I guess what I'm saying is there's no passion in this vehicle. If you want to if you want to get more fired up about this, which, which I really like – I like egg, egging you on here. They're saying that it's going to be priced at around $30,000. That sounds okay. However, the Civic Si, which is almost identical in terms of performance to this, is twenty eight thousand. So, what's the advantage, right? Are you going to pay <laughs> exactly. two grand for the name? Yeah, the and does the match. Si come standard with a six speed manual transmission? I believe so. So, I mean, again, if you have to pay, you're going to have to pay more for a six speed in the Acura, or you're going to get a CVT. So, that's furthering the gap. I'm furious. Are you furious? Is I'm, be- I'm not furious because I have no stake in this, but That's it's true. just this is just like one more puzzling decision from Acura on a path where they just really lost it, lost their way. And right, they I, keep trying. They keep trying to re- recall these things, right? Like now they're bringing back the Type S name as well, which is these high. I don't know about high performance, but more powerful versions of their car. Now maybe there is a more performance oriented Acura Integra Type S on the way with, uh, I don't know, the Type R's motor or something like that. Okay. But who knows? We're, I'm just clearly speculating here. I think there probably will be. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. But I, the, the last time I drove a compelling, like a truly compelling Acura was the MDX Sport Hybrid. And that was quite a long time ago. And it quickly got uh, overshadowed by by the competition once they all caught up in in terms of 48 volt mild hybrids or other hybrid systems. So I don't know. I agree with you. When when they did the sport hybrid, 
that was cool. But everyone else caught up like almost immediately when they put electric motors and everything. So uh, is there anything else that you want? Oh, there is one more uh, thing I wanted to talk about uh, this week, Sammy. Okay. I, had a, I have a, a game for you to play. You have a game for me to play? Yes. Now this is disturbing. It's very similar to the game that you had me play last month uh, called This or That. Oh, yeah, Except This or That. This one's called That or This. Okay. And I'm going to give you the names of several vehicles mm-hmm. in, in lightning round format. And you have to pick one of them. And um, you have to do it quickly. And you can't tell me why. Okay. So are you ready? Do you feel do you feel up to this challenge? No, but uh, you've got me on the spot, and we have to. I have to do everything you say contra- contractually when this occurs. So. All right, excellent answer. So here we go. Let's go. Jeep Grand Wagoneer or Cadillac Escalade? Escalade. V6 Ford Mustang or Genesis Coupe? What's the motor in the Genesis Coupe? I did not say you could ask me questions. <laughs> oh no! Uh, oh. Um. Oh, this is awful. Genesis Coupe. Oh, that was the wrong answer. (laughs) That was the wrong answer. (laughs) BRZ or FRS? Uh, FRS. It's a trick question. It's the same car. Uh, GLB, Mercedes-Benz GLB class or Mazda MX-30? GLB. Mazda MX-30 or Ryder Lawnmower? (laughs) Ryder Lawnmower. Holden Ute or Chevrolet 454 SS Pickup? The Chevy. Oh, wow. New Beetle or PT Cruiser? Ooh, that's a tough one. Oh, shoot. PT Cruiser. Oh, wow. <laughs> and here's the last one. Lincoln LS or Lexus IS? Lexus IS. Okay. Well, you've, you've done not badly. I think. <laughs> not badly. We don't even know what if there are good – there aren't. Good answer. Uh, I mean, really? I think there it's very clear what the right answers were for each of those. If you are listening <laughs> to Sammy's performance and want to critique it or offer a perhaps better choice than what he had made, you can get in touch with us in a number of ways. The easiest way to do that is to go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. There is a uh, contact form on there. You fill it out, hit send or submit, whatever the button says, and it gets up in our inbox right away. You can also find us on social media. I'm at Hunting Benjamin on Instagram. Sammy prefers the cesspool that is Twitter, where he is at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. And um, you can also email us the old-fashioned way, Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. Um, and yeah, if you want to send us your own list of this or that, that'd be cool too. Sure. We'd um, love to do a, a, a guest version of this or that. That'd be fun. Or um, that or this. I would like to tell people to head on over to our, our website as well and take a look at all of our old episodes. There are over 270 episodes for you to listen. So if you have some time on your hands. If you're okay. trapped in a room. <laughs> let her rip. Let, let... <laughs> Is that a, is that an appropriate? You didn't like that. You didn't like my term for listening to all of the episodes. Let her rip. Let her rip. <laughs> uh, what else should I talk about here? You could tell I people that. I mean, you could find us on a bunch of podcatchers. Oh yeah, of course. All over the Apple, the Google, the Amazon, the Spotify, the Stitcher, the Castbox. Um, we're even on and other 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 is a very popular traffic center that we've noticed. But, uh, yeah, if you do listen to us through a, a podcatcher like that, if you could leave us a review or just a comment or whatever, it really helps kind of boost our profile and get more people listening. And uh, we'd love to have a larger audience because that means we get to do more fun things and hear from more fun people. Sammy, speaking of fun stuff, what are you going to be talking about next week? 
I'm getting my hands on a new uh, electric Volvo called the C40, as well as an updated version of one of their battery-powered um, crossovers, the XC60. So I can't wait to talk to you about that next week. I'm going to be talking about the new Grand Cherokee, and I know that we talked about the Grand Cherokee L a couple of months ago, the extended wheelbase, but this is the standard wheelbase, and not only that, it's the top The Grand model. Cherokee S. Yeah, it's the Grand Cherokee S in the sense that it's the Summit trim, which I've discovered is dramatically different than the version of the Grand Cherokee L that I drove previously. So I'm looking forward to speaking about that. Very good. Very cool. I can't wait to talk to you about it. Uh, That'll be next week. So be sure to we're pretty consistent. So be sure to check in with us next week. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.